I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Enjoyed uh, the singing today, and I uh, I want to just share a quick thought with you. We Lord laid on my heart uh, last, actually year before last, to be honest with you, about developing and uh, just uh, the church should be a place of discipleship. It should be a place where we're raising up leaders uh, for the future. And so this year we're making a concerted effort uh, we've started a leadership pipeline and meeting with some men, and uh, some of them are going to be ordained next Sunday, as a matter of fact. But understanding we don't know what the future holds, therefore we need to be training up teachers and preachers and preparing them uh, for the future. And so we're putting uh, some effort into that in 2021, and I hope you'll pray about that. Uh, but uh, today, I uh, this has been planned for a few weeks. Uh, today, Pastor John is going to bring the word uh, he was on deck the last Sunday of December, and I kind of pushed him out of the way so I could preach on the second coming. Uh, but I preached a revival this week. I got six sermons in this week, all right? So, uh, yeah, six of them. And so I'm glad to be able to sit today. Uh, but I'm amazed, and John, I know you you know this and probably will say it in a minute. I'm amazed how like our Bible reading and where we're at in Hebrews, how it all just plugs in right together. Samba read Genesis chapter 12 from our reading this past week and it plugs right into uh, where we're going. So get your Bible ready, all right? We're still in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6. If you've not listened to the sermon last Sunday, I hope that you'll take time to do that, a very important passage, uh, the first few verses of chapter 6, and John's going to finish up that chapter today as we look at the promise uh, to Abraham and how we can have promise or we can have confidence today in the promises of God. All right? Welcome Dr. Reverend John Vickers as he comes to preach. I didn't realize that I earned a doctorate this morning, but hey, I'll take anything that I can get. That's a good thing. One of the benefits of not being the senior leader at a church like this is I don't have to get entangled in some of the hairy passages like we were in last week. Pastor Tim came in, did a great job giving some different views of Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 12. And where we ended up at was that the context of the writer of Hebrews and the audience that he's writing to is incredibly important. And that would be true anywhere that we turn to in the scriptures. But where we landed was he was writing to a group of believers who through some of their own life choices or their own lack of faith were robbing themselves of living in the blessings of God. And the author of Hebrews is gonna continue that thought in verses 13 through 20 that we're gonna be looking at today about an ancient promise that God made to a man named Abraham. So whenever we think about promises, there's a few things that probably immediately come to your mind. Some of you are thinking about maybe some wedding vows that you said. Uh, it may have been a few years ago. It may have been a long time ago. Some of you may be thinking about a loan that you have that's a promise that has to be repaid, right? For me, when I opened up the scriptures and I was reading through thinking about promises, I went back in time to when I was five or six years old. My parents would take me to church on Sunday nights, and I don't know if I was acting up or whatever the case may be, but they made a promise 
promised to me that if I behaved, they would take me to the Chevron on the way home and we'd be able to get a Flintstones push-up, one of the orange ones, okay? That's the best ice cream snack that's ever been created. I was talking to some of our teenagers this week. They didn't know who the Flintstones were. Y'all pray for them, okay? But I would look forward to behaving in church so that we could swing by the Chevron on the way home and I could go get that orange push-up, okay? Sometimes whenever we focus on the promises of God, there's a sense of anticipation that happens. I hope that it's a little bit more anticipation than an ice cream snack today, but sometimes the anticipation is something that we hold on to. But we're gonna see today that the author of Hebrews gives us something much more solid that we can hang our hat on than just anticipation. He's going to create an argument for us that tells us to look to the past to see what God is doing in the present and what God will continue to do in the future. And that is an incredible thing for us to look at today. But when it comes to promises, there are really two ways that a promise can play out. Either the person who made the promise can follow through with what they said was going to happen. Can I tell you that I probably never let my parents live it down if we didn't stop and get the orange push-up on the way home? Look, we make promises sometimes and we either forget about them or if it's something small like that, we may overlook it. God doesn't overlook or forget his promises. And we can, we can be assured and we can be encouraged by that today. The only other way that a promise could play out is Either someone fulfills it or it is unfulfilled. And we're going to look today at a promise that God makes to Abraham that Abraham wouldn't live to see, but that God would still be assured that the promise was held. And we can be encouraged today in a steadfast promise. So today we're gonna be looking at the steadfast promise that would become a blessing to the entire world. So Hebrews chapter six, verses 13 through 20 I hope that you have your Bibles with you. If not, the passage will be up on the screen today. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves. And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have fled for refuge, might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Can we just take a moment in prayer together? Lord, we thank you for the scriptures, for the words that you reveal yourself to us through. They are deep enough for us to spend our entire lives searching as it teaches us more about you and more about ourselves and our condition on this earth. Lord, but they are also clear enough for us to see the hope that we have through Jesus, who you sent for us to live a perfect and sinless life so that we could be redeemed and reconciled to you. 
And God, when we feel like there is no hope, we have hope in the finished work on the cross. So God, I pray that today we would be able to look at an ancient promise that you made to a man who you set aside and that we would see how we are still being blessed from that promise in this moment today in Perdido Key. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you are, this is your first time with us, we are a Bible church. We lean heavily on the scriptures because we believe that they are the inspired infallible word of God, that there is room for us to grow whenever we approach the scriptures. And the beauty of the scriptures is it reads our heart as much as we read the words of God. And it is very important for us to understand the context of the words that are being written. When I started my undergrad at Mississippi College, I went in and sat down with my advisor. He was a man who I will probably never approach the intellect that he had, a man named Dr. Green. He had a very long beard. And when I would go and sit in his office and uh, sign up for classes or get some words of wisdom, he would be listening to these instrumental hymns. And, you know, sometimes that sounds calming, but when you were going into Dr. Green's office to have a conversation with him, it seemed like the buildup in like a horror movie when he's about to like, you know, land something heavy. And one of the first things that he ever said to me is probably one of the, the few lessons that I really grasped onto and have held onto through the years. He looked at me and he said, John, anywhere in scripture that you look, the context is the message. The context is the message. He would open every single class, whether it was Greek or whether it was uh, <laughs> discovering the world of the Bible, okay? And if we talk much about that, I'll have PTSD from that class. But he would start and he would say, the context is the message. And here today in the book of Hebrews chapter six, there are two contexts that we need to understand. The first is the author of Hebrews is writing to a group of people who are in desperate need of encouragement, who are in desperate need to know that Jesus is better than anything. The sermon series that we're in is called Jesus is Better Than. We have gone back and we have seen Jesus compared to the law, to the prophets, to Moses, to angels, to any kind of ideology that we could come up with. And we need to be assured today that Jesus is better. The second is a context from the book of Genesis, chapters 12 through about chapter 25, that get into the narrative of the life of a man named Abraham. And we're gonna be looking at both of those contexts today to see how the message of the scriptures impact us today. So last week, Pastor Tim gave us an example of someone who is a believer in Christ who is robbed of the riches of God's blessings in this life. And if you've not listened to that sermon, this is part two of that, okay? The, this is continuing the thought from last week. And it's important for us to understand what those blessings are and what the promises of God are. Now, this past Wednesday night, we were uh, with our students talking about what is the gospel. And we were talking about small portions of the gospel that sometimes you'll hear in churches. It may be something like God wants what's best for you or God wants you to prosper. And those are small portions of the gospel, but how many of you would say, hey, sin's not a part of that, of that message of God wants what's best for you. We have to get a complete view of what the gospel is. And just like that complete view of the gospel, we also have to have a complete view of the promises of God that he gives to us. So when you hear people talk about the promises of God, usually they're talking about good things for your benefit. God wants what's best for you. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to be the best version of yourself. Now look, 
I believe that that's a small portion of the promises of God, but a greater promise of God has nothing to do with the way that we prosper in this life, but the way that we live eternally in his presence after we pass on from this life. How many of you know that the eternal promises of God are so much better than anything that we could experience in this life? Another promise of God that he gives us is that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The only thing that happens about that is whether we confess that now or after death when it's too late. I want you to see the promises of God all the way back from a man named Abraham and how it impacts us today. And we have to understand the context around Abraham. So the first thing I want you to see in the text is the authority of the promise. Now, Samba read Genesis chapter 12 to us that was the initial covenant that God made with Abraham. And it's important for us to understand that covenant, but here is how the author of Hebrews introduces this covenant to us. Verse number 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself saying, surely I will bless you and I will multiply you. Way back in Genesis, mankind was wicked God saw the wickedness of man and he gave extended grace to Noah and his family. And there's this beautiful moment where Noah is living by faith. He's being obedient to God. They go into the ark and God himself closes them in. It's a foreshadowing. And just like that foreshadowing, we're gonna see that in the life of Abraham today. Now, Abraham was not like Noah. He was not a man who was living righteous in a wicked world. We don't know a whole lot about Abram. We, we know that he was not a God-fearer when God approached him, but God chose Abraham and God made Abraham a promise. And this is a really incredible promise whenever we get down to what God is actually saying to this man. He goes to him and he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will bless the entire world through your descendants. That's an incredible promise. There's not even a whole lot for Abraham to really do, right? He just is leaning into this promise that this eternal being has made to him and there's not a whole lot that he has to do, but he does have to pick up and move to a land that he doesn't know about. Now, I know we're in a very transient community here. Sometimes there's moves that we look forward to. Sometimes there's moves we're not so sure about. But Abraham couldn't get on Google Maps and figure out what restaurants he was gonna be at whenever he moved into that land. He didn't know what his house was gonna look like or what the land was gonna be or if, it was, if the land was even good. He just knew that God was gonna lead him to a place that he had never been before and he was gonna have to leave his family, okay? That can be challenging for us today when we have to leave our families or take a step of faith and we don't know what the land's gonna look like. We don't know what our community's gonna look like. We don't know what enemies or dangers are gonna be lingering there, but Abraham picks up and he's obedient to God and he moves to the place that God has for him. So in this promise, Abram is introduced to God and God swears an oath to Abraham. He makes a covenant with him. And the scripture says that since he had no, no one greater by whom to swear, God swore on his own name to Abraham. Now, why did God do that? Why would God swear on himself? Well, when we think about covenants or promises, you know, 
the, the Starks were in here earlier sitting right down here, and I made a joke with, with Dave that, you know, he's a believer in, in, in Dave Ramsey and paying in cash for things. And look, he may be more spiritual than I am. Y'all, when Jordan and I moved here, we bought our first house and we had to sign a mortgage. I felt some anxiety and a pit in my stomach when I was signing papers that I didn't really know what I was signing. Okay, y'all with me? Every month there's, you know, money that's due or the house is gonna get repossessed, right? If you go and you buy a car, you sit down and you sign papers and eventually there's a bank that owns that loan and there's collateral involved and there's a higher power by which that promise is sworn. I could not just walk down and say, hey guys, I promise I'm gonna pay you back for it and not put anything down, okay? That's just not how life works, right? But God says to Abraham, I'm swearing by myself, which is the highest possible power that could be sworn by. So are you seeing this incredible moment where God is swearing to Abraham who is moving around the earth with uncertainty that God is going to follow through with this blessing? Now, here's the deal. This blessing that was going to come to Abraham required for him to have a family, for him to have children and grandchildren and for his descendants to go on, for them to become eventually, God would say, as numerous as the stars in the sky, but Abraham didn't have any children. He was getting older in age. There was difficulty for him to see how God was working through this promise. So the second thing that I want you to see in the text today is the patience of the promise, the patience of the promise. So Abraham is getting older in age. He does not have children and he's having to wait. How many of you like to wait on things that you're looking forward to or anticipating? You know, sometimes that's fun if you're looking forward to a vacation, but man, whenever it's healing from a sickness, whenever it's wanting to see a child come back to the Lord who's been running from them, whenever it's something serious, we don't like to wait. We've been conditioned to want things now. And Abraham has this great, incredible promise on his life and he has to wait for decades. We have a hard time waiting a few days or weeks or months, but Abraham is waiting decades until his first son would be born. Now look, when we wait on things, sometimes that gets difficult. And there is a verse in Hebrews chapter six that we need to talk about and then we need to have context from the life of Abraham and that's this in verse 15. And thus Abraham having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Now, if you were to go back into Genesis and you were to read the narrative of Abraham, it doesn't look like he patiently waited to obtain the promise. Eventually, over time, he, would, he and his wife would travel from place to place as they were trying to trade with different areas around them, and they would go into a place. And remember, a part of that covenant was, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. You will have descendants. And Abraham, fearing in his life, was lying about who his wife was so he could protect himself. He was not leaning into that promise. There was even a time where he felt like he and his wife both felt like they needed to take things into his own hands, and then he went and had a child with a concubine. Now, wait a minute. Does that mean that Hebrews chapter six, verse 15 is wrong, that he did not patiently wait? No. Why is that? Because God extends grace to mankind. When we are looking at the narrative of Abraham's life, we're seeing snapshots. We're not seeing the days and the weeks and the months and the years that Abraham was patiently leaning into the promises of God where he was reassured, where he was full of hope. We only see the places where he fails until we get to a certain point a little bit later on in the book of Genesis. So look, we need to know today that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Abraham was a human being who was like you and like me, who was sinful, who missed the mark. Sometimes we, especially with the patriarchs like Abraham and his sons, we look back and we see these wonderful men of the faith and we start to elevate them to this like superhuman space whenever we really have to understand that they're people just like you and me. These are people with struggles. These are people who had trouble seeing the faithfulness of God in their life. And to make matters worse for Abraham, his brother Nahor sends a messenger to him and says, brother, I have eight children. The God is blessing me. He's given me all of these material possessions. And Abraham's going, I don't have any of that. And God made a covenant with me. Sometimes it's difficult for us to look around and see people who seem like they have it all together, who seem like they are relishing in the blessings of God whenever we are trying our best to be faithful to the scriptures and to serving the Lord and to sharing the gospel when it seems like we're only moving backwards in our circumstances. It's okay for us to look around and to go, God, where are you in this? Because Abraham did that. And it was counted to him as righteousness in the end because he was faithful even in the midst of doubts. Sometimes when I talk to teenagers, they will come in and express some kind of of doubt about scripture or about God or about things that they're seeing in life. And can I tell you that because we're human, because we sin, because we miss the mark, there's times where we feel hopeless when we can lean into the promises of God. There's times where we may doubt who God is because we don't see him at work around us. There's times when we go through some storms of life, y'all. I'm not talking about something little. I'm talking about the hard-hitting stuff. Whether it's losing a loved one, seeing a family torn apart, dealing with a sickness that needs a miracle. And look, y'all, I believe that God does miracles every single day. Every time somebody repents and humbles themselves, they are brought from death to life. And that is a miracle that can only be done through the power of God. I believe that God is totally capable of healing families and sickness and anything that we deal with in our life. But look, here's the deal. And we know this from our scripture reading. Sometimes there's trials that we have to patiently endure through. Sometimes that's hard. (laughs) And sometimes we're looking around not knowing where God is in this. Abraham finds himself in that boat. So as we move forward, we start to see the grace and the mercy that is extended to Abraham. And as Abraham falls short, we are sometimes quick to judge him. Abraham needed to be reminded of the promises of God. And I believe that God's people need to be reminded that he's still in control and that his promises still ring true today. And it's not just a one-time or a two-time or a three-time reminder. Abraham is reminded by God of his promises in Genesis 13, 15, 17, 18, 21, and 22. And it goes on after that, but I wanna stop for a minute in Genesis 22 because there's an important moment in Abraham's life where something happens. In Genesis chapter 22, verse one, God calls out to Abraham and he says, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. This verse tells us that God is testing Abraham, but he wouldn't have known that in the moment. And what God tells Abraham to do would horrify us and would scare us to death today if God called out to us to say this. He says in verse two, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, who is the one who was promised to Abraham, who he waited decades for, who he finally was able to receive into his family. 
and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. There's a lot of people that have problems with this passage. But look, we need to look at this a little bit closer because God understood that Abraham was a person who struggled with faith. God knew that Abraham was one who dealt with life just like we all do. Remember, he's a human being. So I want you to picture Abraham hearing this word from the Lord, knowing that he's gonna be obedient, loading up his son Isaac, and they start to travel out to this land in Moriah. As they get closer to the mountain, Abraham is dealing with the anxiety in his mind and his heart and his soul, that pit in his stomach, knowing what had to be done as he is bringing his son up the mountain to offer him as a sacrifice to God. And I would keep in mind that God had to move in a mighty way for him to even have Isaac in his life. But Hebrews chapter 11 tells us something really interesting about Abraham. Hebrews eleven nineteen he considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back figuratively speaking, as Abraham is walking up the mountain, going to be obedient to what God has done, he leans into his faith, and lo and behold, God provides a sacrifice as a ram in a thicket to be in place of his son. God's faithfulness shows through in Abraham's moment of need. And look, that command that God gave to Abraham is a foreshadowing of what God the Father would do to God the Son on the cross. It's a foreshadowing for us to look to. God doesn't ask Abraham to go through with this. Instead, he sees that Abraham is being faithful and gives him the sacrifice just as God gives us the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we could be reconciled to him. So the third thing that I want you to see in Hebrews chapter six today is the heirs of the promise. And this part should get your attention because this is where you come into play. You as a person who is living in 2021 today are a part of this heir from a promise that happened so, so, so many years ago. Verse number 16, for people swear by something greater than themselves and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise of his unchangeable, of the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. Again, the author is showing us how he gave, God gave clarity to Abraham by swearing of an oath. And God is showing his character to Abraham and we, God is unchanging and we can hold on to the fact that what God says is final. His yes is yes, his no is no. God is unchanging. In Galatians chapter three, verse 29, the apostle Paul explains these verses to us. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to the promise. Now, what is that promise? Is it just that Abraham's descendants would go and become a great nation? Well, that's happened. That's done. But that's not the only thing that God is pointing to. God is pointing towards by one of Abraham's descendants, by a singular descendant of Abraham, would all of the world be blessed. He's talking about Jesus Christ, who would come much after Abraham lived. Abraham would not live to see the promises of God come to fruition. 
He would live long enough to see his grandchildren for just a few years but he wouldn't live long enough to see his great-grandchildren, or he would not live long enough to see the formation of the tribes of Israel or Moses leading the people out of the Exodus. He would not live long enough to see the impact that he had on his family, the impact of him being faithful to God play out, but God was still faithful to that promise. God may have something for you today, You may be sharing the gospel with someone and you may never see if that person actually responds to it, but be encouraged because God's word does not return void. There may be times where you minister to or you encourage people and you have no idea the impact of what being obedient to what God laid on your heart was. We can be encouraged today that God's promises are true. It is very important for us today to hold on to that. So just like the covenant required faith for Abraham, that promise is extended to us and it also requires faith. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through nine. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Remember that promise that God made to Abraham? Pick up and move. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will make your name great. You will be a great nation. God comes to us and says, if you will humble yourself, repent of your sin, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it doesn't say go and become a better version of yourself or get things right first. The scripture says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will receive the Holy Spirit, the helper who helps us get through life and to hold on to this anchor of the promise that we see in the text. We have to have faith today. We have to be reassured in the promises of God. We can't be thrown to and fro by every news headline that we see because that shows us what we put our trust in. Fourth thing I want you to see today is the anchor of the promise And these last two verses that we're gonna be looking at today are for Christians, are for people you've put your faith, you've put your trust in Jesus. The anchor of the promise is what we hold on to when we deal with difficult times, when we're dealing with a night that is so dark, we never think we're gonna see the light again. Just looking around the room today, I know there's some of you that are dealing with deep loss in your life. You are longing to see God do a miracle or to see him at work in your life. And you can hang on to the anchor of the promise. Verses 19 through 20. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We keep our eyes on the cross in this life and we look towards heaven, holding on to the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. There is no way that we can deal with the storms of life and stay hopeful and faithful apart from a relationship with Jesus, apart from humbling ourselves and clinging to the anchor of our faith. There's no way that we're able to exist without him in a way that brings honor and glory to God. So we're given this picture of an anchor that is steadfast. It is reliable. It gives us stability and security, even though sometimes we may be afraid. It gives us stability and security whenever it seems like we don't have a way out. And then the author of Hebrews gets into this picture of the veils. 
And back in the Old Testament, in the, in the temple, there was a veil that led into a courtyard. There was a veil that led into uh, what would contain the Holy of Holies where the priests would gather. And then that inner curtain where Jesus goes as a forerunner is not talking about the actual temple, but the temple in heaven where God is. And Jesus is seated at his right hand. He's seated because his work is finished on this earth, but he's seated and he is pleading our case to the Father the hope that we have, the forerunner who has gone before us, who is with God, the forerunner who we can look to. Like the former high priest, our current high priest has entered into the sacred place on our behalf as the forerunner who secures our entrance to redemption with God. This message that God has given to Abraham is not completed until Jesus is ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, that all of the world would be blessed by him. So again, we have to understand the context of where we are, and verses 16 through 20 are really a conclusion to a bigger section of the text that really covers the last two or three chapters of the book of Hebrews. So rather than having a salvation that is lost, rather than having a hope that, is un, that is wavering, we can cling to the author and perfecter of our faith in Jesus. But first, God's promises may require us to be patient and to endure with this life. We have to cling to the anchor of our faith as we are waiting on God's promises. Think about Abraham waiting decades to see his son Isaac be born, who would never see the way that that was played out on the earth. God's promises are greater than anything that we can imagine. God's promises are greater than any material thing that we can touch or hold on to. And it really bothers me whenever I hear somebody talking about the blessings of God when they're talking about a parking spot or a deal that they found online. Look, can I just tell you, the blessings of God are eternal. The blessings of God are that when this life ends, we are brought into the presence with God. Think about back in Genesis 1, Adam and Eve are walking in the garden with God in perfect fellowship. That's what this promise is through Jesus, that we're brought back into a perfect relationship with the Father. You may never see the impact that you have while you are faithfully enduring in this life and being obedient to the Father. This covenant that God made with Abraham shows the steadfast nature of his promises to us, but also that Jesus is our high priest that not only fulfills that covenant, but he is the guarantor of our salvation. If we think about things that we put our faith in today, things that we trust in, whether it's a bank account or your home, or for some of you, your sports team, I hope that's not it today, or a government entity, Jesus is greater than all of it. In a moment's notice, anything that's material that we have can be gone. But the promise of God is eternal, and we can count on that. A steadfast promise, the anchor of our faith. This promise that is given to Abraham is the anchor that we hold on to that allows us to live in freedom in Christ, to go and do all things through Christ who strengthens us, to go and be obedient to what God has called us to do, to live with hope in a hopeless world, to be obedient, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to love people to the point of life, Jesus Christ. We have to first be saved and born again. 
So I would plead with you today, if you are not a follower of Jesus, humble yourself, believe in him today, and be saved. Would you bow your heads where you're at? We're gonna pray for a couple minutes. The band is gonna come back and lead us in a song. But as you have your heads bowed, you may be in the room today and you may just be absolutely defeated by the circumstances of life. You may be overwhelmed and in the midst of a storm. But my prayer for you today is that you would be reminded of the anchor of our faith that is the cross of Jesus Christ that we can cling to even in life's darkest moments. If you have not put your faith and your trust in Jesus today, don't wait. Humble yourself and believe on the Lord Jesus. If we can minister to you in any way after the service, Pastor Tim and I will be off to my right, your left at the front of the stage. We've got a meeting in a second, but we would love to stop and pray with you for however long that you need to see you be brought from spiritual death to spiritual light today, life. God, we thank you today for the assurance that we have in your promises. God, I thank you that you chose Abraham so many years ago to bring forth the blessing of Jesus to the world for the salvation that you extend to us through him. So God, I pray that today we would be reminded of the anchor of our hope that we can cling to in life's darkest moments because your promise is just as true today as it was the day that you called out to Abram. God, I pray that we would be a people who make a drastic impact for your kingdom or in our community, in our city, in our state, and in our world. Lord, that you would enable us to love people to the point of life because we have an anchor of our faith that we can cling to. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.